name. Amen. Now, I thought, being how this is a baptism service, we ought to talk about baptism. Be good, huh? So I want to talk about why be baptized in water. What's all the hoopla over getting baptized? I mean, man, you're just getting dunked in some water. Big deal. But there's more to it than that. Baptism is the very first important step in our Christian life. And I want to uh, discuss some of the things to, uh, so you'll understand why it's so important. In Matthew, the third chapter, starting in verse 13, it says, Then Jesus come from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answering and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. The first thing that Jesus did in order to start his ministry was be baptized. So it was a very important thing that he did. Now, Jesus didn't get baptized to be forgiven for his sins because Jesus had no sins. So baptism will not forgive you of your sins. So if somebody if thinks that, then, then you got another thing coming because Jesus didn't, if we could be, ba- be baptized and be forgiven of sins, why did Jesus bother to come? We could have just got dunked in the tank, no big deal. But that isn't the reason we get baptized. It doesn't forgive our sins. Jesus, when, when he started his ministry, when he, he born, when he was born on the earth as a child, we know that uh, the plan of salvation started lots of years before Adam ever sinned, before the garden was created, before man was created, and how far back, I have no idea. But the plan of salvation started a long time before Jesus was born in a manger. The plan of salvation started in heaven before Adam had sinned. So God had already made provision for us to sin. Because we, to forgive our sin, better get it straight here. Don't want anything confused here about that. So he announced, when Jesus was baptized, he was announcing that something in his life had changed. Something in his life from now on is going to be changed. When he was a child, he was raised up in a home. He was obedient to his parents. And, of course, he knew all the time who he was. We see him talking to the religious people in the temple. So we know that there's, there was some interaction there. But we don't know a lot about Jesus' life before he was baptized of John. We don't know a lot about that. But now Jesus is stepping out in the forefront. And with his baptism, he's saying something's changed. Salvation has just got baptized. And that was the essence of what Jesus was saying. And God wanted to point out to the people how they would know who was going to be provide the salvation. And that that salvation plan was suddenly going to happen. So if you were there when you seen that event, you knew, man, it's exciting because I'm living in the time God's going to actually provide a Messiah and he's going to provide the salvation that we all need. Now, when we plan a trip, we're going on a trip. Say we're going to New York City or somewhere else. We don't just get, go out and get in our car, turn the key on, go out and head out to, to New York, do we? We have to plan. We have to plan that trip. We have to plan all the things that we're going to do. We pull out a map. We're going to look and see what routes we're going to take. We're going to figure out what it's going to cost us in order to get there, what we're going to do when we get there, all the things that we want to do, all the things that we want to see. We plan. We just don't up and do that. Well, that's what God did with Jesus. He had all these plans that he had for Jesus. He planned where he wanted to be born, what family he'd be born in, 
what kind of a, a living that he would be making until he became savior or, be, or until he started his ministry. So God put a lot of plan and effort in, into, our, into his plan of salvation. He just didn't wake up one morning and say, well, guess this is it. We did it. This is the plan. Go ahead and do it. No, a lot of planning went into it. And, and when the planning was finished or when it started, when uh, salvation was about to be kicked off in Jesus' ministry, because it changed, Jesus was baptized. And when he baptized, he says, that old part of me, that old living at home, that old working as a carpenter, that's over. From now on, I'm working on the business of salvation. I'm about my, my business as being the Messiah. I'm about the things that God sent me to this world to do. And so he started his ministry. And he started it with baptism. And that's why it's so important for us to be baptized. Because it's telling someone that, hey, my life has changed now. I'm different. I'm not the same person I was before. Something in my life has changed. And this is the symbol that God has chosen to use to let everyone else know that our life has changed. Now, in verse 16, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went out, up straightway out of the water. And, lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And, lo, the voice of heaven saying, This is my beloved son, son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, I'm not kidding you. I'll bet heaven sang 4,000 years. The earth and man was waiting for the Messiah to come. For 4,000 years, they've been reading the prophecies of everything that was going to happen. And now, all of a sudden, there it was. And God was excited, and heaven was excited, and the dove it descended upon on Jesus. So there would be no doubt in John's mind who the Messiah would be, who the Savior would be. Because there it was. Man, that's him. There's no one else that had happened to. So they knew that this was the man that God had chosen. This was the Son of God that was going to fulfill all righteousness. And he was going to fulfill everything that God had predicted about the Messiah. He was going to do it. And so this was the thing that he decided to do to let everyone know. And that's the same thing that happens to us. See, when, when we get baptized and we accept Christ as our Savior, and we get baptized, God's pleased too. And he's excited about it. He's excited that we've been obedient and we've decided to do that. And we say, hey, when I'm going out into that water, I'm dead to the old person that I was. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a new person. And my life is going in a different direction. And if, I don't, if I'm not getting baptized, where is the, where's the difference? To the world. I know our hearts are changed, and when we become Christians, we're baptized into the kingdom of God spiritually. We know that to be true, because once we accept Christ as our Savior, he's our Savior. But God wants us to step out and associate with him and say, hey, I'm going to do this. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any difference. I may not understand it, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to identify myself with Christ because I am stepping down a new path. And from now on, my whole life is going to be different. Something's changed in my heart. But you people can't see my heart. No one can see our heart. But when we to get baptized, they can see this act, and they can hear our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. And so now we have witnesses to that. Now, I know that in some countries, if you get baptized, it's a serious thing. It isn't something they take lightly. We do, oh, big deal. If I get baptized, fine. If I don't, that's fine, too. It's not a big deal to us. But in other parts of the, of the world, in the Soviet Union, in China, and the Eastern Bloc countries, if you get baptized, you could end up in jail or killed. So that's quite a 
a decision that, that they're making. But Jesus didn't ask you if it's safe to be baptized. He didn't say if it's convenient or if you have the right outfit to get baptized in or if you have the right place or if you have a heated tank. He doesn't ask about all that stuff. He just tells you to do it. And when we aren't obedient to Christ, we won't pay any, anything else he has to tell us. Now, I know that uh, most of us have in here are married. I think most of us have been, been married or, or maybe thinking about getting married. Now, if you're going to get married, you have to make a confession of your love to that person, don't you? You have to stand in front of somebody and exchange vows, don't you? And then you give them a token of your love, which is the wedding ring. Now, I don't think you get get by too well in a marriage if men, if uh, you gave your your wife or your fiancé on your wedding day that she was getting married, if you gave her a ring and she wouldn't wear it. How would that make you feel? Wives, how would you like it if you gave your husband a ring and he wouldn't wear it? That kind of upset me a little bit, wouldn't it, you? I'd get mad. Do you not really love me? If you love me, you'd wear my wedding ring. Isn't that true? <laughs> but to God, this is his wedding ring. This is the wedding ring that, that God uses, if you will, to be able to start our new life is by being baptized. And then every, every time somebody looks at the ring, they know that I'm married. Now, you can look at somebody, and if they wear a ring on this finger, you can almost guarantee that person's married. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that person's married. Now, just because if somebody puts a wedding ring on this finger, does that mean they're married? No. No, they have to go through the, they have to go through the, the marriage ceremony. They have to find somebody to marry them. And they have to find somebody to officiate the service. And then they have to be willing to stand up in front of the people and confess their love for each other. And they even have to kiss each other in front of everybody. Oh, my, my, my. Isn't that true? But just because I put on a wedding ring doesn't mean that I'm saved. Or, excuse me, I'm married. And just because you get baptized, it doesn't mean you're saved. Most people that get baptized, though, are saved. But it doesn't, that's why it's important that you, you get saved first. Because getting baptized all by itself without a confession of faith in your heart, it does you no good. You might as well just go home and take a bath. At least there you can use soap and clean the outside. But if you're not a Christian and getting baptized, it means absolutely nothing. By itself. But when we are a Christian, when we've accepted Christ into our lives and we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I know I'm a sinner. And I thank you that you died on a cross for my sin. And I accept you as my personal Savior. And I commit my life to you from this day forward. And I want to serve you all the days of my life. Then you come and then you get baptized and say, hey, when I'm going down in this water, I'm dying to the old person. And then when I come up, I'm living my life differently. All of a sudden, everything is different. That person that I used to be is gone. So baptism is an outward sign of something that's happened inside our hearts. Because like I said, I can't see anybody's heart. Uh, Romans 6.4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Baptism, therefore, is an act of our obedience to Christ and, and an act saying that, hey, I'm dead to the old world. I'm dead, and I'm going to walk in the newness of life. So it's important. It's an important step that we take. Colossians 2.12 says, Buried with him in, 
in baptism, wherein also ye also are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Christ was raised from the dead after he died. And because he was raised from the dead, we have the hope that one day we will be raised from the dead. If he tarries and we die, I have a hope that I'm not going to stay in that grave any more than Jesus stayed in his. I may have to stay in there longer than three days. <laughs> I may have to stay in there a week or a month or a year or ten years. doesn't matter. But one day, God's going to come back. Jesus is going to come back. And that trumpet's going to sound. And I'm going to come out of that grave. Hallelujah. That's exciting. That's exciting to me. Because Jesus rose from the dead. I have that hope. I have that excitement in my life because I serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And I've seen the tomb, and it's still empty. After 2,000 years, it's still empty. And they did a uh, test on that tomb, and there wasn't one ounce of decay in the whole tomb because I will not let my Holy One see decay. And there was no decay, and they went over that place with a magnifying glass to find some, and there wasn't any. Because as soon as we die, our bodies decay, don't they? Instantly. And if you leave one out a day, man, I'll tell you, we even start to stink. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so but there was no decay in that. And because of that, we have that hope that one day we're going to rise from the dead. He's going to call us out of the grave. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that this life is, we have more than this life. Can you imagine a faith that all we have is this life? Man, our faith would be in vain. I'm glad my, my faith and our hope goes beyond this life and this world. We have a hope that other people don't have. And so it helps us because when I'm going through a bad thing in my life, when I'm going through a hard time in my life, when there's not enough money at the end of the month to pay my bills, I have a hope that said, hey, one day this world's going to be gone. One day I'm going to run the streets of gold. One day I won't have to worry about anything uh, except what I want to eat today. And whatever I want, it's going to be there. And I'm going to be running and eating, running and eating. I'm going to talk with my mouth full, too. Because I'm excited about it. And so that hope that we have makes us able to endure the trials and the tribulations that we have in this life. And without that, man, we'd be miserable. Without the hope of Christ's resurrection, we, above all people, would be miserable. We might as well be some other religion because religion doesn't save us. But we don't have a religion. We have a relationship with God, a relationship that he's alive. And a live relationship is a lot better. I know these people, they go down, and they just, I wonder, you know, they go down to the, the graveyard where their loved ones are buried, and they sit there, and they'll talk to them. I'm going, man, what a waste. I haven't been to my mother's grave since she died. Why? Because she's not there. She's not there. She's in with Jesus. So what do I want to go there for and be reminded of her death when I can be here and reminded that she's alive and with the Lord? Oh, hallelujah, that brings victory instead of defeat. We look at a grave and we think, wow, why do I want to go there and remember the death when I can remember the life? Because she made a commitment to Christ. We have that hope. I mean, if you want to go visit, you know, graves, that's up to you. I mean, I'm not saying that, that one way or the other. I just don't go there and talk to dead people. Because they can't hear me anyway. Why waste my words? Why not talk to a live God that can hear me and can help me? And he even talks back if we'll let him. <laughs> Sometimes we're so busy talking we don't get a chance to listen. So I'm thankful for that. 
So ba- water basin is, baptism is basically a funeral. Guess whose funeral? Ours. <laughs> it's a funeral to ourself. So when we're, bar- we're burying ourselves, we're willingly saying, God, I'm dying to myself, and I want to be raised in a newness of life. So, man, we're going to conduct good, a good funeral service this morning for all ourselves. <laughs> and if you haven't done that, if you haven't been baptized and confessed Christ in your heart, then you need to do it. I don't care if you were saved 30 years ago or 40 years ago. It doesn't matter. It still counts. It still counts as obedience to Christ. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go, therefore, to all peoples everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, us Christians, or we Christians, we have a tendency to take some of God's commandments very lightly. and say, well, it's not a big deal. If I get baptized or not, no big deal. But these were the last words that Jesus spoke before he went to heaven. And we know people that are dying, their last words are admissible in court. Because they know that at this time of the life, they're going to be truthful words. If they've been a liar the whole life, at this moment in their life, they're going to speak truth. And the most important thing in their life is always spoken at the end of their life. Well, Jesus wasn't at the end of his life because he's already raised from the dead. But he was going back to heaven. These were the last words that he spoke to his disciples. And he says, go make disciples and baptize them. That was very important to Christ. And we just can't take that commandment lightly. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So Jesus' call to salvation includes baptism. It has nothing to do with our salvation because we know that just because you're not baptized doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. Because we know that the thief on the cross, Jesus said, This day you'll be with me in paradise. Didn't he? Let me read this. See, it says... Uh, I wrote it here somewhere, yeah. Luke 23, 39, it says, One of the malefactors which hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, shall save thyself and us. But the others answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today... Shalt thou be with me in paradise? Now, this thief on the cross, there's no way he could have been baptized, huh? No way, because he was dying. They weren't going to say, hey, take me down from here so I can get baptized. Forget it. So if you happen to get saved hanging on a cross, you don't have to be baptized. (laughs) Or if you're on your deathbed and there's not an available way for you to do that, then okay, it's all right if you don't get baptized. But... Us as Christians, we have the freedom to be able to do so much in this, in this country. And I'm thankful for that. So what excuse are we going to have when we stand before God and say, God, I didn't get baptized. Why? Well, I didn't want to mess up my hair. Oh, I forgot to bring my towel. I didn't want to get wet. Kind of flimsy excuses, huh? <laughs> Because God doesn't dwell on what we have on or what our hair looks like or whatever. All that God's cared about is our heart. And see, this, this thief on the cross, he confessed Christ. He confessed him as Lord. So he was a, a new believer. And actually, he was the first one to be able to accept Christ as Savior, wasn't he? And he was a thief, a robber, who knows what all he did, but he was the first one. 
God went to the low-down people of the world first. First one to be saved. So we don't have any excuse in our life for any reason why we can't be baptized. Because if he can do it on the cross, and a lot of people say, well, he was so up there, uh, so high that maybe they didn't know and nobody heard him. Hey, they didn't, uh, okay, right, come on, water coming at me. They crucified people. We have this impression that the, uh, the cross that they were on was way high up there, and you had to look way, way up there to do that. But that wasn't usually the case. Usually they were just up, just off the ground because it's kind of hard. I can't spit 10 feet, can you? I can't spit that high. But the people, then, when they come by, they would spit on these people that were being crucified. So they were at a level that they could spit on them. So they weren't clear up there, so they were they was down at a level that people could hear what they're saying. And so they could hear his confession of faith that he was making in Christ. So he didn't care because he probably suffered a little more ridicule. Can you imagine what they told him? Oh, man, you what's the matter with you? You're going to die and you're believing in this other guy that's going to die? What's the matter with you, you idiot? They probably get, you know, gave him a hard time. I probably would have if I'd been there. You idiot. Probably would have. Matthew 10, 32 says, Those who declare publicly that they belong to me, I will do the same for them before my Father in heaven. If we confess Christ publicly, now this is about as public as you get. It's right here. It's about as public as you get. And if we can't confess Christ publicly before men, as easy as it is in this kind of environment... We won't confess him before men in other areas when it's not convenient, like on the job. How can I confess Jesus before, on the job if I can't confess him in a church when everybody here is just supporting you and, and want to do everything we can to help you live your life as, for, for Christ? How are we ever going to do it on the job? Jesus says, if you don't confess me, I won't confess you. And that's a scary thought. I want Jesus to confess me. I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful service. Enter into the place I prepared for you. That's what I want to hear from Christ. I don't want to hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. And have to say, hey, but wait a minute here. I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Yeah, good for you. But you didn't confess me as Savior. You didn't accept me as Savior. You didn't confess me before men. You went and hid in your little closet. Jesus didn't call, call, call us to be closet Christians. I know there are, are steps that people have to take in some areas of the country, and we may have to take some of those steps here in this country, the way things are going. It may cost us something to be a Christian, but we can't back up on our faith because it's not convenient or it may be an, an unsafe environment. I'm reminded of the story of a, uh, this hidden church that they had in one area of the country where they'd kill you for being a Christian, and some armed guys come in, they had their masks, and they had machine guns. And they pointed them all the crowd and says, okay, everybody that's a, that's a Christian, that's not a Christian, you want to get out of here, go. If you're a Christian, you stay here, and I'm going to shoot you. Man, I'll tell you, people started scattering all over the place. But there was a nucleus of people that remained. And after everybody went out of there, the guy took off his mask, and he said, Hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm born-again Christian. I just want to get rid of the people that were just pretending. <laughs> and there are a lot of pretenders in this world, aren't there? 
Well, things are going to happen that pretty soon you're going to have to be able to make a decision. And you're going to have to have it in here. If you don't have it in here, there's going to come a time when you're going to have to choose. And it may be sooner than later the way our nation's going. And one day it may cost us a lot to be a Christian. If you made up your mind, it doesn't matter what it's going to cost you. If you haven't, then <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do because you've got to make it up. You've got to make your decision before something happens because when you're there, it's harder to make that decision. I already made a decision. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter what happens in the environment. It doesn't matter what it costs me. I'm going to serve Christ, and I'm going to confess him. And they may one day take me on handcuffs out of here because I'm preaching things they didn't like. <laughs> but I'm still going to preach it because if it's in God's word, God wants me to preach it. And so I'm going to preach it. I'm going to confess him. As your pastor, I'm going to confess him in this community and anywhere else I need to. So you can have, be assured of that. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now this was followed, the message on the day of Pentecost, where 5,000 or 3,000 people were added to the kingdom that day. And the first thing he told them to do was re be baptized. Because it was important. Acts 22.16 says, and now, why wait any longer? Get up and be baptized. Now, this was right after Paul had his miraculous visit with Christ on the road to Damascus, and he got saved. And the first thing, he says, don't wait any longer. Get baptized. That was the first thing they told him to do. He didn't know anything else about Christianity, but they said, be baptized. That's the first thing you need to do. Acts 16, 30, verse 30 says, and then he led them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your family. Then they preached the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that very hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and he and all his family were baptized at once. Man, it was important to get baptized back then, and it's important today. And you know what? They found that the people that get baptized are less likely to backslide than those that don't. That's amazing, isn't it? Because if, if people can't break down those barriers to get dunked in a tank as a symbol of them dying to themselves and being raised a new creature in Christ, then, the, then when things come, when trials come, they're going to falter and they're going to turn their back on God. And God knows knew that. That's why he wanted us to be baptized. Because there's no power in this water. None at all. There's no power in the water at all. There's no power in any water to save or to do anything else. There's no power in this anointing oil that we use. There's nothing in the oil itself. It's in what we do, how we do it. We're obedient to God's word, and it's obedience that God responds to. Not the water, not the oil. It's the obedience to do what he told us to do. And when we're obedient to what he told us to do, then he fulfills his promises. But we have to be obedient. We have to step out in faith. And this is the first step that God wants us to take as a Christian, is to be baptized. It's supposed to be the first thing we do. And we're not supposed to kid around and wait around and wait, well, well, maybe next year I'll have it done. No, we need to do it immediately. That's why I was such a, in a hurry to want to get something to baptize people in. I mean, in case you didn't know it, this was very important to me. Because I knew the value of being baptized to people and to their new life. 
I know the value because God's word shows me the value of it. I don't understand it other than the fact that it helps us identify with Christ. And that's what we need to do is identify with Christ. And if we can't be baptized in accordance to his command, then we don't listen to anything else he says either. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 in the Amplified says, There, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creature, a new creation altogether. His old, his previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. We are new creatures in Christ. The minute we get saved, we become a new person. We become a new creation on the inside. And a lot of times it changes the way who we are on the outside. Because I've had people tell me, there's, you know, ask me, are you a Christian? Because they can see they were a Christian and they had a, had a, there was something about somebody. You know, when you're a Christian, there's something about the spirit of that person that they can sense. And there's, your spirit kind of has a friendliness or something towards the person that's a Christian. And I've had them ask me, are you a Christian? I say, yes. I say, I knew it. I knew it. I just sensed it. I just sensed it. And that's what, so inside we're a new person. And to the exterior, it changes us. Because all of a sudden, you know, we're not, oh, I got to go to church today. No, I don't want to go to church. I could have slept in. The Penguins game's on today. I can't do it. Go to church. Oh, the Jazz are playing today. Or the draft's continuing today. The NFL draft's today. Oh, I got to stay home. What's that? Oh, I got to go to church. No. Because when we have a change inside, it's, oh, hallelujah, I get to go to church today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I get to come and worship God. I get to praise him because I'm a different person. I'm like a kid at Christmas time. And every Sunday it's Christmas time because I get to come to the reason we have Christmas. And it's like Easter and resurrection. I get to come to the place and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So I'm excited about that. And besides that, God invented DVRs so we can record them and we can watch them later. Without commercials. So it changes who we are on the inside. It changes the way we look at things. All of a sudden, we look at people differently. God helps us to love people that we wouldn't normally love. There's some people that I don't care. They're so hard to love. And you have to say, God, I don't want to love that person. But we say, no. We say, God, help me love that person. Love that person through me. And I say, God, help me to love people as you would love them. Help, let your love flow through me. Let your compassion throw, flow through me. Let me be what I need to be for you. Let, me be, let these hands be your hands on the earth. Let these voice, my voice and these lips, speak your words of encouragement to people. Let me be the Jesus that they see. Let Jesus be seen in me. I want my life to mean something. I want it to be changed, and I want who I am to be dead, the old person. I want him to be dead and buried and gone because I don't like that person too much. And if most of us were honest, we didn't like the persons we used to be. So why do we want to hang on to it anyway when there's so much more in Christ? And that first step, that first step of faith, that first step of obedience is baptism. Second, uh, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's just a simple act of obedience. But Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he commanded us to be baptized. He just commanded it. And for no other reason, that's the reason to do it. It doesn't matter. I used to tell my kids, 
If I wanted to do something, they ask why. I just say, because I said so. Period. That's it. End of discussion. Well, that's what God's saying. Why do I have to get dunked in a tank? Because he said so. He said so. And if God said it, I believe it, and it's so. Well, I'll take that back. God said it. Whether I believe it or not, it's still so. Because my faith or my belief in it doesn't make it null and void. Because if God said it, that's enough. And it should be enough for us to be able to take that step to be baptized. I want to be obedient. Don't you? I want to do everything that God said. And if God told me to be baptized, I want to be baptized. And I was baptized. I've been baptized. And if you haven't been baptized this morning, I invite you to do that. Take that step of faith. Say, man, it doesn't matter. I don't care if it's in 20 years. It doesn't matter. But if you've never been baptized, do it this morning. Because, hey, it's convenient. We already got the water, and it's all ready to go. And I guarantee you, I won't